Hello and welcome to Pale Reflections, a proud member of the Doof Network where we reflect on Wildbo's most sunny work as it releases. I'm Ruben Morehouse. And I'm Elliot Diebold. And we are here to talk about Pale, as you might have guessed from the name. But before then, <laughs> just a quick warning that you can now vote in our fan art contest. Uh, if you're a patron, is that right? You've got to be a patron to vote. Um, yeah. You can go see all the entries and vote for uh, them. Well, I think by the time this episode's out, the voting will either have closed or is right about to yep. close. So, all right. Um, Can't vote anymore, listening... but the results will be out <laughs> soon. Yeah, yeah. We'll, uh, we'll, re- we'll, re- we'll release the results uh, not long after that. Um, uh, on the topic of this episode coming out, like, uh, sorry, it's it's a few days late. That's on me. I uh, louised my body up pretty good last last week mm-hmm. and uh, wasn't really in a you position find to, a Matthew to do to much. help it. Yeah, or a Charles, no, I no. Guess. Uh, yeah, I need, I need my own personal Charles, someone who can just Don't take all my all. pain. <laughs> Imagine if that was um, uh, the national healthcare system. Charles is for <laughs> everybody. But so I think in my live reads, I compared Charles at one point to, um, you know that story, the the ones who walk away from Omelas? Omelas? I'm just realizing I don't know how that word is said. Um, I do not know what you're talking about. It's like a short shortish story basically there's this town and everything's perfect in the town and you sort of find out the reason is because they've got like this kid being tortured in in the basement and it's you know this whole thing about like oh everything's perfect except for the one person and it's all like a it's all about morals and shit um Mm. but yeah it's been a while since i really looked at it but like that that's just you know whenever you have this thing of like oh everyone's okay because we just lump all the suffering on to this one thing uh that's where my mind goes and Charles is sort well, of well. Seems like a good system. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Kenneth certainly seems to think it's not totally out of. Yeah, it's. I mean, <laughs> it is a you know a utopia for everybody. Asterisk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's like there's a there's definitely like a utilitarian argument to be made for it. Um, <laughs> yeah, as long as you don't draw the really short straw. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, um, yeah, I actually I wanted to talk a bit about why this episode's late as well. Um, because so so basically what happened is I, I fucked up my hamstring and I was basically bedridden for like most of last week. Um, and my my housemate had like a bunch of stuff going on, so what she had to do was buy me a bunch of TV dinners because that was basically all I could prepare for myself. Um, so basically I spent most of the week. Uh lying in bed, struggling to get out, making myself TV dinners. And what I realized um, towards the end of it is I was living that authentic Verona's dad lifestyle. Oh, and... no. You've become what you hate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I wanted to bring it up because, like, gang, fucking sucks. Like, we're constantly talking about the balance of pity and anger towards this dude, but, like, I definitely moved a, an inch closer towards pity in the last week because I was so fucking miserable last week. Mm. Um, uh, like I could see why it was a hole that was difficult to come out of. I mean, the second you know my legs started to be better, I was fucking out of the bed. But um, I can see how you could get stuck in that rut. I was just sitting there miserable all the time, and you feel tired and gross. TV dinners, not the best meals. It turns out, um, yeah, awful, awful stuff. Don't don't be a Verona's dad. Mm. I, don't, I realize there's not really any hot, hot takes as a part of this, yeah, but just wow, like wild. I've, I, I did like a reverse Icarus. I flew too close to the center of the earth, and um, <laughs> it was terrible. Yeah, 
Um, but yeah, we've all learned a valuable lesson, which is Verona's dad <laughs> is not a good role model. <laughs> Heard it here first. Um, speaking yeah. of Verona and Verona's yeah, dad, let's let's, let's, let's dive it. into the whole situation. <laughs> so yeah, uh, leaving a mark four point two. The first chapter we're talking about here is a Verona chapter, and it begins with Verona trying on clothes with her mother. Yeah, um, Verona's mom came out of nowhere. I I had missed. I don't know if it was actually brought up in four point one. I missed that she was actually in town now. Um, so this caught me completely off guard and I got so excited when I saw her mum was in it because I feel like we've been waiting for this for arcs now. Mm. Yeah. Um, and it's weird, right? Like, you, yeah. we really didn't know what to expect. It's obviously been built up as something that's going to have some kind of impact when it enters the story. But it's like, I don't know, fine at the start here? Like, it seems <laughs> fine. I mean, it's it's tense. and. I think the most telling thing about this scene is it's not warm at all. It's like two work colleagues, right? Like there's no connection between these two. Yeah, it, it's such a not close relationship. Um, yeah. it, it's kind of like her, her relationship with her mum is almost the inverse of the relationship with her dad, but in its own yeah. way, like just, just as toxic and painful. Um, mm. Like while her dad has sort of, Rona's dad puts way too much on her and her mum has just kind of done the opposite and stopped. Like, she does these sort of cursory token effort bits in this shopping trip. Like, she's asking, how'd you go at school? And doesn't mm. push any of what... Like, it's almost like she's she's doing due, due diligence or not even just, like, minimum viable product. Minimum diligence. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, like, there's this bit where she's like, oh, do you still talk to Lucy? And for, for me, that was, like, the clincher of, like, wow, you are just fucking not even here at all, are you? Like, she's like, oh, I'll make the trip out whenever you want. And it's like, I, well, we know Verona's mum isn't awakened because that was fucking bullshit. Mm. Um, yeah. Like, it's do just... we know? Like, okay. <laughs> oh, because <laughs> there's this one line, and we're jumping out ahead. Do, 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 do. I'm jumping way, way ahead because there's this one line right before Verona's mum leaves this story forever, hopefully, where she says, honestly, there's not a lot I could say that would be bad-mouthing, which just is such a nonsensical thing to say that it made me think that she's a practitioner and this somehow... I mean, but the thing is, this also isn't the truth, so that also doesn't quite <laughs> make sense, but I don't know what's going on there. Let's go back to that line later because I, I want to bring up more of its context, and I don't want to then have to repeat it oh, later. Yeah. But um, I yeah, I see I see what you're saying. I think Verona's mom is doing this this thing that she does a lot in this chapter, which is uh, like this kind of avoidance, not not just like conflict avoidance, but she just uh, lack of effort, I suppose, would be the thing. I mean, remember when we were giving shit to to Rowan for not trying? I mean, Verona's mom is mm. the queen of doing that. It's like two um, Rowans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like she, she just does this thing here. She sort of swoops in and is a little bit okay for a couple of mm. hours. Uh, to, uh, like, till the, it's, it's like, the, again, it's like the inverse of what happened with Verona's dad a, a few chapters ago, where it's like, you know, he, he wasn't shit for a couple of hours and then he sort of fell back in. I kind of feel like Verona's mom does that here. She manages to put in a bit of interest in Verona for, couple of hours and then when verona pushes for more she's like mm, mm, no mm, yeah she's really not uh, she's not as in your face shit as vd right um but 
it's also very not close. Like, and and something that was interesting to me is we get this moment where Verona really could tell her mother about the party tonight, but she doesn't. Um, and it that to me is kind of saying not only are they not super close, but there's no like Aunt Heather vibe to this relationship, right? This isn't an adult that Verona feels like she can confide in at all. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I feel like th- so there's two other like random older teenagers in in the store while all this is going on. And I feel like they really sort of mm. highlight this because like, Verona's more on their wavelength, but like she's a teenager. So being more on the wavelength of the other teens than your mom would be fairly normal. But um, mm. there's this one, there's this one bit where Verona's talking about the classes she took, she takes, and the other girls start commenting on uh, Mr. Bader, like, you know, our favorite teacher. And mm. um, like they, they know so much more about this situation than Verona's mom. And like, like I, I think that was sort of the bit where I was like, okay, I see what we're doing here. Like these two random girls who Verona doesn't even know their names, she connects with them so much better than she does with her mom during any of this. Her mom just like again, like she doesn't know that she still talks to Lucy. She asks questions and doesn't really push through for any extra information after getting like high level overviews from Verona. Like she's just not involved and doesn't really care to be from the looks of it. Mm. yeah god it's yeah well we'll talk i mean the the real moment that clinches this is coming up um we'll get to it so let's uh yeah let's let's get to it when we get to it i suppose well yeah uh i i think one other bit that i want to pull out from this shopping uh trip interaction is when veronis they're talking about shirts and verona says it's see-through the boys in my class would like it at least now I think that's a comment that should have some kind of reaction from a parent, whether it's like a cheeky reaction, <laughs> whether it's like a, 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 a mother kind of disciplining her daughter reaction, whatever it is, depending on the relationship, there should be at least some reaction to that comment, right? Um, mm. Verona's mum's reaction is, hmm, like the <laughs> most nothing that it could be. Uh, I, there's not I even... got the impression, sorry, I mm. got the impression that is Verona's mum being like, Oh yeah, good point. Like she, like I, I got the impression it's like she hadn't even considered that. And like for me, that was just like, again, I really like your thing about them being like work colleagues or friends or, or something. Yeah. It's like this is like the first moment where Verona's mom is sort of like, oh yeah, good point. She's a thirteen-year-old. Like this is almost how it came across to me. Like she just, she's so out of touch that she forgot that like she's helping find clothes for her thirteen-year-old daughter. Mm, yeah. Uh, honestly, like. There's just so nothing to the way that <laughs> Verona's mum treats Verona. Yeah. Although I think like the one thing we sort of haven't talked about with Verona's mum that comes up is um so she talks for about herself for a little bit and she she works with the government doing like social assistance programs. Um mm. like it sounds great. I mean like this is the thing you touched on right at the start. Like without context, it kind of seems like everything Verona's mum does looks fine like like you know at sort of first glance um and I, like this got me wondering so the fact that she you know is is working with the government to improve social welfare or that sort of thing seems like a good thing so is she one of those people who is is like you know sort of lost the trees for the forest like she's so concerned with the greater good she's just left her family behind or mm. um i mean she says she's like a, a data person out the back so she's just sort of you know, maybe she's someone who who's sort of sitting out the back and 
is is sort of a bit detached from it. She's like working from the working for the greater good, sure, but like she doesn't want to get her hands dirty. I don't know. It's a bit like Verona, like helping from the outside, I suppose. Um, Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. What, what what's your take on 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 this? Well, yeah, I, I can see that. I mean, like, I don't know. I we get so little of Verona's mum that I feel like it's not right to judge or like to try and find any explanation for why she is the way she is, because we just don't have any of that. Right. Like fair, fair. It, the only thing that we know is for some reason, she just seems to not care about being that involved in Verona's life. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, yeah. And she never says, no, I don't want to be a part of your life. She just, I mean, it's like it's it's like what happened with with Lucy and Paul, right? It, it's this completely unanswered question, and Verona thinks she knows what the answer is, which is just that her mum doesn't love her. But I mean, we don't know. It could be it could be literally she could be a practitioner for all we know. <laughs> but, You're right. Um, there there could be something mm. else going on. I mean, we don't have any reason to believe that the claims that she cheated are false. Um, like I'm mm. sort of working off the assumption those are true, and, and so if they mm. are, maybe there's this sense of verona's mom not thinking she's good enough and feeling like she's damaging verona by being near like maybe she's actually maybe she thinks she's doing the right thing by keep by keeping away like i don't know mm. and, and you know the social assistance thing maybe she's someone she's trying to make up for what she perceives as her own flaws or something um yeah, yeah like you're right we don't we don't know i suppose i i don't know though like at some point she must know how Verona's dad is doing at least in the general sense, right? And I'm not, I'm not sure she does. I, you think? Yeah. If she doesn't, that's even more indicated that she just does not give a shit. Yeah. Well, she's, or she's just too. Yeah. She's, she's gone too far away. If, if she doesn't know. Uh, yeah. If she doesn't know, if she hasn't put in the barest amount of effort to to interact with Verona's dad at all, then which is the only way you could know how how terribly he's doing, right? Mm. Um. And I mean, she also, like Verona says during this chapter, oh, dad's the worst or whatever. I can't remember the wording, but yeah, something that, that Verona's mum doesn't seem to react shocked to. She basically just says, oh, I can't comment on that, you know, um, <laughs> as if she knows full well what he's like. Uh, like, I mean, yeah, that, that wasn't my read. My read was that she's just, she, she was being overly cautious. Like it's again, that thing she... She seems to want to keep the distance. Like she doesn't want to get involved. Like maybe yeah. you know she's turning a blind eye. Like she she may not really have any idea how bad it is. And when Verona starts to complain, she she wants to cut it off before. Like, like you know, because if Verona is just sort of whinging, because you know what teenager doesn't have fights with their dad, right? Like it's, mm. uh, or she might just think Verona just wants to move in with her, and like she may just sort of not really be thinking about it, and yeah, like just not sort of considering any of it. I suppose, and, and just sort of shutting mm. it out because she she's not interested in having Verona herself. Um, mm. Yeah, I mean, it's just yeah, her mom. What a yeah, it's like she, this weird inverse of her dad. Her parents are both scattered in in the opposite directions and putting themselves back together. And Verona's gotten caught in opposite versions of hell because of each of them. <laughs> like her yeah. dad needs to back the fuck off, and her mom needs to show up. Mm. Yeah, yeah. If only they could somehow get together and have a child, it would be perfect. <laughs> anyway. I, 
I think I think there's some interesting comparisons to be made between Verona and her mum. Like, I, I mean, obviously, like we know that Verona's response to a lot of this stuff has sort of been, oh, I want to be an other. Like, she likes to sit on the sidelines and observe and be separate from humanity. And I can't help but think that maybe there's a bit of her mum in her when she's doing that. Like, there, there's an argument mm. that that's sort of how her mum has coped. She may not be as different from her mum. Or she doesn't think she's that different, specifically, I suppose. But, like, she might she might have bits of her mum in her. I mean, of course she does. But you know what I mean? <laughs> yes, theoretically. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the other thing to keep an eye on during this conversation is we know that uh, Verona thinks that she has lied by the end of this conversation. Um, yeah. So keep your eye out for lies. Uh, I've got a potential one where uh, Verona's mum asks Verona what she needs and Verona says, I don't know about need, but blah, blah, blah. A lie because I think Verona almost certainly knows what she needs, which is good parenting. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like that's a bit of a stretch. I um. Mm. My guess for the lie was that she said she'd call her mum like uh, at the end of the school, and maybe she doesn't intend to do that. Again, that feels like a stretch as well. I think you've mm. pulled out one later in the notes that I've actually, I'm a hundred percent on board with. Like, I think your your pick later on uh, is my new uh, answer. Sure. Okay. Um. Anyway, so Verona's mum takes her home, and the air is heavy with the unspoken things between them for sure. Yeah, I love this bit where Verona's just sort of sitting there and then she just says, I could use a break from dad. And then the next <laughs> line is, Verona hadn't meant to say that out loud. And I was just like, Verona's subconscious, doing its best. Um, yeah, like, like this, this is sort of the moment that sort of kicks off the, the really heartbreaking part of their interaction. It goes from distance to just hurtful. Mm. Yeah. Um, I love, I love that she says that. <laughs> oh, Verona. Um, then we get to this line of, honestly, there's not a lot I could say that we'd be bad-mouthing, which, yeah. I, again, like, what even? You know, like, she just must literally care not at all to not have any understanding of, of how bad it is with, with her dad. Yeah, I, I mean, so, t- to be fair, I doubt her dad, like, I doubt Verona's dad would let her have any idea of how bad he is, like like he would be mm. going out of his way to appear normal, um, and she clearly isn't listening when Verona tries to tell her because she doesn't want to get caught, like you know, being the the bitchy parent, which is hilarious because Verona's dad has no qualms doing that the second she gets home. Um, yeah, but like I, I can see why with the tactic she's employed of of keeping a distance, she just would have no idea that this isn't just Verona being a moody teenager. Like the the situation with her dad is really fucked up. Yeah, I mean, this is as close to a literal call, uh, cry for help as you can get, right? Especially um, from Verona. I mean, not that her mum would know that because she doesn't know Verona, but like seeing stuff like this from Verona, I'm like, okay, like alarm bells need to be ringing. Yeah. Um, <sighs> I don't know. It, useless, right? Like I, we say a lot of bad things about her dad, which I think are justified. But he is working yeah. two jobs to ensure that Verona has a house and that Verona has food and that whatever. Like he's at least doing, he's at least putting in some effort in his own misguided way, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah, it's something I was talking about before. I feel like Verona's dad has, has leaned too far into smothering Verona and Verona's mm. mom has leaned too far into giving her space and they, they could both stand to meet somewhere in the middle. Um, cause, cause you're right. Like, 
I, it's hard to say that Verona's dad is putting in the effort because he also consistently does not. It's like they're both putting in the efforts in the wrong places or too much into the wrong places and not enough into the right one. Mm. Yeah, I mean, at least, well, no, like they're not putting effort into the wrong places because Verona's dad is putting in effort to the wrong place. Verona's mum isn't putting in effort in any place, you know? Well, she is just not into her family. Like, it sounds like she's working hard at her job and, you know, she's dating or whatnot. So, it's you know, it's like... Sure. She, she, she's living... She's, she's living putting in effort seemingly to not into her relationship with Verona. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, she's putting it into the wrong place. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so then we get to the part where I think where there's the lie, where her mum calls out that she loves Verona, and Verona says, yeah, you too. Um... This is, as soon as I saw this, uh, as soon as I saw that Verona had lied, and with the stuff that happens later, I mean, I think this is the one that everyone has pulled out as the possible <laughs> lie, that Verona actually doesn't love her mother. <laughs> yeah, I, I hadn't thought of it, and then when I saw this in the notes, I was like, yeah, this is the best one that I can think of. Um, mm. And that's especially because it's heartbreaking um, that that is a lie. Yep, but uh, it is, I think. <sighs> yeah. Um, of course, it's a Verona chapter, so we have to have some interactions with VD. <sighs> I love that you've just started calling him VD. It's a pretty. It started pretty just apt as name. a shortening, but it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, they have an argument. I, I don't want to get too into it, but there was this funny line that I liked where after they've fought, uh, VD goes back into his room and we get the line He closed the door to his own room with unnecessary firmness. And I'm just like, Frona, you know, is it unnecessary firmness? You guys have just had a huge fight. Is it un- <laughs> like, is this surprising to you at any point? Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it might be the one thing where it's like, oh, no, I get what he's doing here. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, this section with her dad, again, just really highlights how opposite his relationship to her and his mom's are. Like, you know, she's like, mom, please like move closer. Let me live with you. And she's like, mm, no. And then she goes in- into the house and her dad just won't leave her the fuck alone. Yeah. Um, and she has, she, yeah, she gets in this yelling match with him. Um, and it's just like the, the, the overbearingness of her dad is, is so strongly highlighted by putting this right after her interactions with her mom. Did it feel to you like Verona's dad like after she had hung out with her mum, he was just kind of hanging around because he was kind of trying to measure like how much what she had had in this interaction with her mum, like oh, yeah. measure how much she had enjoyed this interaction and just kind of be a parent to try and be involved and be like, no, 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 I can be here too. In the same way that like when two kids are playing and one kid has a toy, the other kid wants that toy just because the other kid has it, you know? Uh, yeah, I think this is a bit of a classic like, divorced parents jealousy little moment yeah um like the yeah it was like oh is she dating like i think that was the one question that i was like oh come on dude just yeah um i mean there's 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 a bunch of moments where he gets really petty about stuff to do with her as well like when he finds out she's driving the grandma's car and stuff so it's like, like yeah i i do think that part of him being here is he feels a bit insecure that verona would prefer uh her mum to him and he's trying to make mm. up for it. Like he has a bit where he's like, "Oh, why don't we have like a daddy daughter night? Because this party's going to be lame." And it was just like, "Oh, you mm. just you can't read the room for your life, can you, bro?" <laughs> oh God, it's so frustrating watching him. It 
just like walk into a wall <laughs> over and over again. Yeah. Um. Anywho, let's uh let's move out of this segment because I hate VD. Uh, so the trio <laughs> head to the party and they start to have a good time. Um, and it's nice for a bit. Yeah, I, I you know, because we sort of left four point one off with Avery and Lucy deciding they were going to go, you know, get ready for the party together. And um, mm. then we open up with like Verona's misery hour with with both her parents, and we sort of immediately cut back, and it's like Lucy and Verona, uh, sorry, Lucy and Avery are both like you know really well dressed up, and we find out later like they've done all this prep, like they've just clearly had such a good time. And I was like, God, I wish Verona could have just gone and hung out with them, gone and hung out to get with ready. them, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's like, a nice Lucy, like. I was just say, like, Lucy's wearing that nice red dress. I think, like, 4.1 ended with Avery saying, wow, that, that's my red dress and it looks so much better on Lucy, and now Lucy's wearing yes. it. So I, was, I, I like that Avery has clearly voiced this opinion to Lucy, and, and Lucy has, yeah. like, agreed. And then, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's just, it's nice, like, you know, th- this party is just full of, like, teen drama-style stuff, and it is just so <laughs> nice to see. Like, it's just... Just chill teen drama stuff. No, nothing crazy going on yet. We'll get to that. But yeah, it's just, it's just lovely. Yeah, like it's kind of fun to just, for, for the characters and for us to get immersed in like all the, the, the bullshit high school drama. Like Haley has made mortal enemies with the rest of the dancers because she got with George. Like it, it's such dumb bullshit, but it's kind of cathartic to have to deal with that bullshit in the background as opposed to, like, murderous monsters or whatever shit. Mm, yeah. Yeah, right? And, like, Lucy is just cutting loose, and it's really nice, and Verona is obviously enjoying seeing Lucy having a good time before everything goes crazy. Like, it's just nice. It's so nice. Yeah, it's so good. Like, the Lucy stuff in particular, I mean, we'll talk about that a lot more at the end of 4.3, but um, you can also already sort of immediately see like she she's sort of nailing what booker sort of asked her to try doing but she hasn't had to sacrifice who she is like at all to do it like i think she does this great job of just mingling with everyone but still being her like so much better than i was doing at age 13 you know Mm. Mm. yeah um yeah and we get this bit where lucy jumps in and defends pam and it's awesome yeah like Lucy is basically this kindness crusader that's here to, to stand up for the rights of all kids to be nice to each other. And it's just really nice. It's just yeah. really nice. But, and that's exactly what I'm talking about. Like, she she still takes this stand. Like, you know, it would be easy if you were trying to fit in to have let that slide and feel bad about it later or something. But Lucy yeah. is sort of, you know, fitting in, but she still takes this moment just to be like, um, fuck you. And she manages to get, like, all the girls on side. And I think it's, like, Logan who leaves in a half um yeah like good um uh, yeah, yeah. yeah it, it it's great um avery is also doing very well she's she's out there breaking hearts um which is hilarious like i love <laughs> I, I love how she, she she starts talking about hockey and suddenly all these boys are like hey you want to go out and she's like no and she almost uses that as a bit of a confidence boost to come out to everyone which um like is great hopefully <laughs> there's still that part of me that is like how much is this any glamour of Guillaume or, or Marisica's, but I'm yeah. optimistic that this is just everything else here seems to be going well. So I'm just like, no, I'm just going to chalk this up as a win for Avery. <laughs> yeah. 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 Cool. Um, 
So we get a moment uh, between Verona and Jeremy, which is nice. Um, it's a nice moment, but Jeremy wants more in a wholesome way, and Verona has to turn him down, which is a bit sad, but he takes it like a champ. Yeah. And like this is sort of Verona's instant. Like, I, I feel like the theme of this part of the party is the three Kenneteers like coming out of their shells a bit and like still being themselves, but getting sort of wider acceptance or, or like mm. moving beyond just being a trio. Um, mm. Like, Lucy obviously integrates well, doesn't lose herself. Avery, um, you know, chats to a bunch of other people, learns a bunch about everyone and, and manages to like, you know, come out and not feel terrible about it. And, um, mm. you know, Verona gets to take a boy into a dark corner and, and try some of the physical stuff she's been wanting to try. Like, um, yeah. I mean, it's a very Verona moment. She takes him, she, she like, notices that there's spider webs and she's like, oh, this isn't nice. And so, like, fuck whatever, Verona. Like, <laughs> spider webs. <laughs> oh, Verona, um, you weirdo. <laughs> so, <sighs> yeah. I, I, I was like, you know, it, this, and this goes pretty well. Jeremy's like consistently a champ in these two chapters uh, about like everything. Um, mm. yeah it's great yeah um yeah verona gets out of her shell that's nice um and then well okay there's this moment as she's as they're about to head back where you know there's been these mosquitoes that were landing on them and verona's feeling like there's some kind of horse flies biting her and maybe that's just what it is but i'm i'm just kind of like <laughs> I, I i don't know maybe i'm being too tinfoily but i'm always suspicious that Something else is going on. Do you think something else is going on, or do you think I'm I'm diving too deep into it? <laughs> uh yeah. No, I I've chosen to believe that everything at this party is just benign. I think like there's the one bit like Lucy obviously spins the bottle and gets Wallace like three times or something. Yeah, we, again, and, and suspicious. Yeah, but that kind of gets explicitly called out two times in four point three and dismissed as a supernatural thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of him. Imp- inclined to believe this is the same maybe maybe it's some of the bad karma stuff like to keep verona away from her bag like i don't know if it's anyone specifically messing with them it could be the karma laying the bugs on her so that melissa had more time to grab her bag but might not be i don't wait i don't does it make a difference if it is i suppose is, is another question mm. i don't know i mean is it blue heron institute people messing with them right before they come to the school maybe i don't think or... so yeah, I don't know. It's it, it it's weird because I don't think so either, but the fact that there are just like three or four coincidences that happen, it's like I don't know, just enough to be like, oh, what's going on? I mean, you know, you roll enough dice, you're going to get a nat 20, right? Like I think it's yeah, just the chaos of the party. But it's not in that 20. It's it's like three 18s in a row, you know. <laughs> Sure. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe you're right. Um, anyway, uh, so the, they, Verona heads back to the group only to find Melissa is missing. And even worse than Ooh. that, though, also missing is Verona's bag. <laughs> <gasps> yeah. Uh, so the, the, the fun part of the party is over, basically. Because, uh, I, I, I mean, for some fucking reason, Verona has bought her entire kit of magical bullshit to this party with her. Like, Just in case it, she needed it. It's pretty easy to see why Lucy later on is like, oh, I thought maybe subconsciously you wanted this, because it's like, yeah, why did you bring all this shit? Yeah. Like, Clearly I get bringing a, a, few, a few things for surprise self-defense, but I, this seems overly prepared for disaster. 
oh yeah, it, it's insanity to bring all of this stuff, right? Like it, it actually yeah. just makes no sense. Maybe but, but my charitable read is that she was so desperate to make sure Lucy and Avery had a good night that she brought all this stuff so that she could swat any problems that popped up. Um, yeah, I could see that. I mean, yeah. it's not a very good plan if that is what would happen, because, I mean, <laughs> we see how it goes, but yeah. 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 Anyway, we will see how it goes in 4.3, which is from Lucy's perspective. And the thing about this chapter is immediately Lucy jumps into action mode, right? Like, yeah, she's yeah. immediately like, okay, I'm here. Let's solve it. Let's do this. And that's the part that really bums me out, right? Is she so quickly snaps out of having fun mode. It's just sad. Yeah, and obviously Verona doesn't cope with it, which which we'll talk about later. But um, yeah, after all these nice moments in 4.2, 4.3 immediately enters business mode. And you you sort of see how like Mia and and the, the crowd uh, and Wallace sort of try to draw her back in, but she, you know, literally sort of turns her back on them because she's got to help her friend, which is which is nice, but mm. it, it sucks. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it does suck. And and this is what Verona feels later, right? Um, interestingly, we also get Jeremy who jumps in to help, asking if he can and Verona, you know, okaying it, um, which Lucy is quite surprised by, I think rightfully, because it's just, <laughs> yeah, it's a surprise that she's like, yeah. Um, I think this comes down to her not, you know, not wanting Lucy to have to be the one to manage everything. So the more they can, they can, get Lucy not to I think this is what's going through Verona's mind the more they can get you know not have to have Lucy do everything the better to her um but still yeah, we need to pull help. in Jeremy I mean well I mean Jeremy's earned the trust um he was such he, he was such a cool guy about um all the stuff last chapter and and like he's genuinely still trying to help um yeah like I, I don't know I like I think he's earned the, the trust that Verona extends to him yeah yeah um, yeah, he's great. Uh, he, he does well, or he, he doesn't do that much, but he does okay. Um, and then we find out later that Miss was considering him as one of the other options for being a Kenneteer, which is especially interesting and leads me to think, especially given that later on, Matthew says something like, I'll keep him away from the practice or he'll just slide into it really easily, that he will get awakened either by them intentionally or accidentally, which I think is going to be great when it happens and here's how it's going to happen verona's going to turn into a cat jeremy's going to see the cat and be like oh that's a cat and follow it and then see it turn back into verona and be like Whoa, <laughs> now i'm awakened or whatever <laughs> that's that was, my prediction yeah no we just learned it, it's not we just learned the word for it it's not awakened it's um aware yes aware that's it um but uh, i do think then that will lead to that will start the chain of him becoming awakened <laughs> Potentially. I mean, look, you could do a lot worse. He seems like a pretty cool dude. Mm. Yeah. Um, I think he'd be good. I think he'd be a good uh, practitioner. Um, and yeah, we also get Lucy, as we're in Lucy's head, we get her internal monologue on, um, you know, how it's been to be able to cut loose and how nice she found it, um, which again adds to the sadness that it has had to come to an end. <laughs> yeah, she has these little bits of mixed feelings around... The fact that it took, um, you know, so much, or or just say that this sort of contradicts the fact that she got zero in class ranker. Um, mm. So there's sort of these these mixed feelings around it. Like overall, she seems to have had a good time. I hope she mm. did, and I hope she continues to do so. Like as 
because obviously like the interesting thing about this is is the the three Kennedys have sort of seemingly in this party started to find a, an acceptance in the wider social circle of their school um right as they're about to go and enter this new social situation at um their new school yes so like i, I wonder if this is our prelude to how they're going to go socially at uh, the blue heron institute mm. Mm. yeah i mean uh, it's weird because th- are they going to be the youngest people at the blue heron institute and if so by how much like i don't know what I to mean, expect from that yeah, we have no idea what the demographics of the school are, are really like. Like we have, we know there's people like Zed and um, Nicolette, and they're obviously a few years older. Um, but they're mm. also they seem like they've been going there for a few years, uh, mm. maybe. Or actually, no, Nicolette might have just been close to a year. Like obviously, I think Bree Bree is going to be another new student from the sounds of it, um, which is great. Like mm. uh, I can't wait to see more of her and and sort of see her as like a genuine classmate of these three. But um. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. It depends on what a normal practitioner, like how old they are when they awaken, I suppose. Like, I guess we'll see. Yeah, yeah, because, yeah, I'm just, that's the biggest thing that indicates to me, are they going to, like, go well or whatever? Because if they're all 13 and everyone else is, like, 17 plus, it's just going to be a very weird situation, right? Yeah, they're going to be, like, you know, like at least at my school, we we sometimes had kids who were accelerated a couple of years at at school, mm. and mm. like nine times out of ten, it it was a bit of a social nightmare. Um, yeah. So it's like I could see that, but you you never know. I mean, they've got each other, which I feel is is always going to be their biggest asset. Like it has been yeah. so far, and I think will continue to be. And to be fair, they've, you know, at the end of this chapter and also all the stuff we've seen with Zed seems to indicate that they're at least going to have Nicolette and Zed in their corner. Um, so it's not like they're going to be completely outcasted from, you know, from the the social, I don't know, life at the school. Uh, it's so hard for me <laughs> to even picture, like, you know, do people at the Blue Heron Institute, like, hang out after school? <laughs> Is that a thing that happens? <laughs> I, have, I absolutely have no idea. Uh, yeah, me either. Can't wait to find out. Um, yeah, we'll see. Uh, anyway, so in this part of the chapter, I think this is the weird thing about doing a show like ours is we have this first half of this chapter, which is, you know, they're like on the trail of, of finding the, 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 uh, the people, Melissa and the gang who stole the bag, but, and there's some stuff that happens here that's related to like the practice and stuff, but mostly it's just the three kids and Jeremy like chit chatting. Right. And it's weird because like i don't know if we have anything to summarize or really discuss here but it's just a really engaging very mundane conversation you know yeah it's definitely one of the sections that's hard to do justice in this format because like we can pull out details like the fact that lucy and avery have these like fucking pokeball chew things charms that they made um, yes and talk about how cool that is, is and yeah and and yeah like in general sort of say oh, all these conversations are great like there's there's so much mm. character work going on amongst um like this sort of you know chasing the trail thing like it, it's not just finding the the the, the perp it, it, you know this character yeah. work mixing in like again it's that wildbo thing everything's doing two things like Lucy is using her sight and what's interesting is she's not just using it for detective reasons but also it it does character work like it shows it gives us insight into how other people are doing because she sees all the the auras and daggers surrounding them um mm. 
So it's, yeah, yeah, you're right. Like it, it's hard to sort of often do all that stuff justice uh, without, because it's almost like every line deserves to be called out, but we sort of have to summarize all of them into one little bit. Yeah, yeah. Although I, I do want to call out, I guess, specifically that one. There is that one moment um, where there's there's two guys and three girls on a hill um, and they're, they're like looking out at the stars or something. And Lissy notices that presumably as they get high or whatever, um, all of their daggers sort of leave their bodies for a bit and they just get surrounded by this nice aura for a bit. And it's just this nice little moment of like seemingly five, you know, random NPCs just having a nice moment. Um, and it, I don't know, it's neat. I was just like, oh, this is a nice little moment. And, and after this is happening as the party is going to shit for our three can of tears. And it's kind of good to know that, you know, these other five have found like a nice peaceful moment. Yeah. It seems like uh, everybody's at least having somewhat a good experience at this party, right? It's a nice, you know, <laughs> our Kenneteers are having a nice cathartic moment at the party, but also the, all the other characters are also having a good cathartic time at this party. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the trio catch up with some of the thieves, and Sad Song Mullet Man is here. Uh, Lucy tries to get Haley to turn off the music so that Sad Song Mullet Man doesn't, you know, destroy people, but uh, it just triggers his anger, and it gets intense. Yeah, this is a very visceral, brutal fight scene. Like, um, yeah, Mullet Man beats the absolute shit out of the three of them. Like, like it's such a we had such a nice party in the back half of 4.2, and then it went into like a tense action mode uh, as we did this chase. And then it hits here, and I was just like, holy shit, like things turn really south and get really like life dangeringly violent. Um, yes. It's, it's such another turn south. Yeah. It, it's again, this like things can, uh, like they're really walking the razor's edge, right? At, at any moment, something can yeah. tip and things can get brutally dangerously violent. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So <laughs> just, I love this image though. Like it's bizarre, right? There's all these kids at this party and suddenly some random adult with a mullet arrives and starts dancing, crying and stripping. <laughs> and that's just like, <laughs> what's going on here? Uh, yeah, like, you could see this, like, what this makes me think, because there's a mention of it being on the news later, I think, and... Yes. Like, now, now you sort of have me wondering, like, what other weird stuff that shows up on the news was actually, like, crazy practitioner bullshit that, um, got passed by normal people is just really weird. Yeah, what, uh, what news stories can you find that are actually practitioner bullshit, but have just been justified as like, oh, Florida man went to party and cried and yeah. danced. Yeah, exactly. Florida actually has a really active practitioner community, and <laughs> that's why there's so much Florida man there's, stuff. Yeah, there's so many cover-ups there. Um, yeah, I, I want to talk about this fight scene as well, because it, it is the first fight scene that we have where the trio really don't use very much practice here. Like, they're kind of fighting in a very mundane way because they didn't bring their stuff, or Verona, who did, has caused the problems. Um, <laughs> and it, it goes well. Like, I was kind of worried that without their bag of tricks, the, the Kenneteers wouldn't be able to do that much. But they're actually able to defend themselves at least until they get into a situation where they can kind of get back to using the practice, which is promising, right? Yeah, well, like it's like I touched on before. This is a very physical fight, and like there's bits of the practice. Like Lucy does use her ring very briefly, but she doesn't have the hot lead, so it totally wipes her out to use it. 
Um, mm. But like in general, like it's the three of them sort of going toe to toe with with this thing quite in a, in a very physical way, which I think is impressive because like that was what John did a couple of chapters ago, right? Like this is the thing that John was barely able to to fight off a few chapters ago. So mm. the fact that the three of them are sort of physically able to 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 go toe to toe with it's quite impressive. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, exactly. Like this, yeah, you're right. The fact that I didn't think of that, but the fact that this is the thing that John went toe to toe with, and that was like enough to occupy him pretty much the whole time. And he had a fucking gun when he was doing that fight, right? Like (laughs) he he was shooting this thing at points. Um, it's pretty good. Pretty impressive. Um, I loved, (laughs) okay. So as they go to find Melissa, uh, as they continue, there's this bit where Verena's like freaking out throughout this whole thing. And Lucy's wondering why she's freaking out so much and very much is uncharitably assigning it to thinking that Verona's just freaking out because she's lost her stuff and she doesn't want to endanger her chances at, at magic school, which, I mean, I guess is fair. Knowing Verona is a fair assumption to me- for Lucy to make, but, God, uncharitable. I Yeah, I, I the first time Lucy thought this, I was kind of like, I can see it. Um she calls it to attention so many times that I was like, okay, there must be some other explanation because Lucy just keeps thinking that. Um, mm. So I guess maybe a bit uh, doyalistically, I was like, oh, there must be something else going on here. But um, mm. yeah, like Lucy is pretty unimpressed with Verona for most of this because she assumes Verona's only thinking about herself. Mm. Yeah. Um, and we'll see this kind of payoff uh, towards the end of the chapter. Um, yeah. So yeah, the trio find Melissa, and she's pretty much in the midst of a mental breakdown, surrounded by all of these powerful objects that she doesn't really understand. And yeah, um, it's pretty sad, right? Like, it's a depressing (laughs) vibe. Yeah, like, I think, okay, for starters, one little thing I just want to call out before we dive into Melissa is, um, there's the bit where she pulls out, like, the goblin stick that Toadsaw gave them. And it like mm. we learn that it gives you permanent injuries that don't heal properly. Yeah. And Melissa sort of waves it around and she's like, What is this a magic wand? And for mm. me, that was just like the perfect summary of like Pact and Pale as this sort of like when you first come in, you're like, Oh, cool, it's just like Harry Potter. Oh my god. Like like Yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's sort of like, yeah, Oh yeah, don't... this is a cool magic wand. And it's like, no, this is something that just gives you permanent injuries. It's like, oh that's yeah. That's less charming. <laughs> Yeah, it's um, it's not uh, some nice, cool, magical trick thing. It's just <laughs> yeah. ugly and and gross, you know. Yeah, this um, is a very uh, full-on world, and I think this is a great little reminder that that's not what we expect coming in. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so here's something that Lucy says that I really like. Talking to Melissa, she says. You can't keep slapping away people's hands and then be surprised when they stop reaching out, which is such a perfect <laughs> summary for the way Melissa is acting. And it makes me feel conflicted because, yes, she's only 13 and her entire life has kind of fallen apart in the past two or three weeks, right? Like, it really yeah. does make sense that she's not doing well. But these three have been, and Jeremy, I guess, so these four have been so nice to you, Melissa. Like, you don't have to, it doesn't have to go this way. You don't have to tank this like this you know yeah i i found this this whole thing so conflicting and like i mean there was actually a big discussion about this on our discord because like obviously what she did was shitty but and she did it in such a shitty way too (laughs) yeah but like 
at her age and in her circumstances, I just don't know if I can say I do any better. Like I, yeah, I feel more sympathy than, than anger t- towards her. Like because, like especially a big part of her motivation here is whenever they do try to reach out, she she's slapping it away because she's a piece of shit about it. Yeah. Well, yeah, but like the reason she's doing that is because she she's always like, oh, you're just doing it because you know it's for you. Like you're being selfish when you try to help me. Yeah, and. Like the fact that everyone in her life has kind of turned their back on her now that she can't do like dance or whatever. Yeah. I can see why she has become really bitter and written everyone off as selfish assholes because that's basically what her entire friend group has proven themselves to be. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's this sort of really dark reflection on some of the stuff Lucy's talked about with, with not wanting to give people a chance. Like Melissa has kind of entirely closed herself off from wanting to give people a chance um mm. like she she set herself up um with these impossible standards that you sort of have to meet uh to to prove yourself to her and jeremy is one of the few people who managed to pass that that's why she's so mad because uh verona stole him away so to speak um yeah so yeah i i don't know like i just i can't bring myself to hate melissa for what she did i just want her to get a hug and 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 get better (laughs) yeah i you can't like you know you can't hate her for it but it is it's she's being very annoying (laughs) (laughs) she's being very annoying and that's really the worst crime oh absolutely being annoying (laughs) is the worst thing you can do um (laughs) yeah yeah, I mean, yeah. I guess I mean, to to talk about how there's there's a bit of a link between her and Lucy. I think there's an, another interesting link between her and Verona. Like we sort of talked so much about how Verona is being let down by her mom, and like something we sort of skipped over is is talking about how much of the events of tonight, like you know, potentially bringing all this stuff and all that, like how much of that is to do with what happened with her parents earlier in the evening. Um, and you can kind of see this link between Verona and Melissa of how people are closing themselves off and, and lashing out because people around them keep letting them down. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Interesting. Like, I, I wonder uh, that... if that's a bit of a connection that Lucy's sort of making here. Yeah. And just something to keep an eye on in general, I guess, is, you know, I kind of made a link that hadn't occurred to me before between... Uh, how Paul and what had happened with him had been very much like this big unknown that was that was kind of driving Lucy crazy until she got some semblance of closure. And I think that same thing is kind of happening with Verona, with her mum. I, I guess just kind of being let down by people around you. I don't know if it's a theme or just something that seems to happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I think it is, there's a definite sort of theme I don't know, there's probably a better word for it, like in this story of um, community and, mm. and like helping each other out, like, you know, and, and like a, a very important part of this story is we have these three, these three women who have awoken together and are now constantly on each other's side. And like, I, I can't wait to see the three of them sort of go against the world when they, when they go to the Blue Heron Institute. But um, like, obviously the other side of, of exploring the themes of how people can raise each other up is, is exploring when they don't do that um yeah and and there's just you know a lot of that going around mm. Mm. yeah yeah i guess so i guess so i yeah let's keep an eye on it and see uh if anything jumps out to us about it um so 
uh, Melissa kind of uses the bag of tricks to to continue to basically hobble away from from the group um, until uh, Guillaume shows up and gives Lucy a demonstration on dueling. Uh-huh. You could you just you can't just ask the fairy for help, can you? Like I love how fucking extra the fairy are. Yeah. Like you know, it's like, oh Gourmet, we need help. And he's like, Yep, sure. I'm gonna give you a lesson on dueling in fucking space time <laughs> bubbles. And it's like Thanks, couldn't you just, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, you know, he couldn't just solve the problem. He has to fucking turn it into a thing. Um like especially John tells them earlier, we kind of skipped over where where John shows up to help them with Mullet Man. Um, but there's a bit where he's like, oh, ask for help for the others, but don't invite Marissa. She's not the right tool for this. And it's just like, just just our friendly weekly reminder that Marissa Cruz is scary as shit, I suppose. Um, yeah, I don't like, I, I just, I just love the fairy and how, how dramatic they have to be. <laughs> yeah, I do love that. There's this moment where Lucy's like, no, just help. This isn't the moment for a, <laughs> a, a lesson. And Guillermo's like, ah, but it is. And, and it, a, it is. A crisis like, it, it, is the best good lesson. time for a lesson. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Lucy gets pretty formidable here. She uh, forces Melissa to 1v1 her, and it's horrifying. Like, Lucy is clearly turning into basically an assassin, right? Like a fucking <laughs> Assassin's Creed-style assassin where she just can take people out seemingly in a great way. Yeah, like all, all of the becoming a combat stuff- expert. Yeah, yeah, like she she's gonna be some sort of like warrior magician. I I don't know what the practicey term for it would be, but like you know things like the ring mm. and stuff, right? Like she seems to be leaning towards um just being able to use magic to beat the shit out of you, basically. Um, mm. I, I, like I think the thing that really jumped out to me here was she threatens to torture the shit out of Melissa for five minutes, and I was just kind of like, whoa. Hold on, like it's very definitive language that she uses as well. There's no weasel wording here. She's sort of like, in five minutes, if you haven't surrendered, I will take on some of your pain. But I am going to do horrible things to you before then, is basically what she God. says. And I was like yeah. I was like, oh, okay, like, you know, what's um less time with Guillaume for you, I think. Uh thank you. Yeah. Isn't it terrifying? I would be terrified <laughs> of this. Yeah, like um, um I mean, because like, charitably, Lucy knew that Melissa would give up immediately. Mm. But the fact that she was willing to put that on on the line, like put that to the test, is is a little concerning mm. to me. I, I don't know. Yeah, no, one hundred percent. I would say. I mean, it's, speaking of the five minute thing, like I I love how so like she sort of says, oh, you know, like she she makes the deals of the duel and says if she doesn't give up in five minutes, then uh, I'll take on some of her pain. And Guillaume's like, oh, I wouldn't have done it like that. <laughs> and Lu- Lu- Lucy briefly asks why, and my interpretation of his answer is that mostly it's because, oh, she'll have to say yes, if yeah, if 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 you say it like that, which is like okay, so wait, is it is this because it's better for the duel if if she doesn't have to say yes if she wants she's sort of to say into yes it? to it? Yeah, exactly. Or, or like, is this just Guillaume being like, oh, it's more fun if it's like not as good a deal <laughs> and you're you're tricking them, like like. Or, or you know, or is it you know, is it both? I, I don't know. Like, I just, just, just hearing his response of, "Oh, you offered her too, too good a deal." I'm like, what? Like, mm. what are you talking about, Guillaume? Like, that seems ideal. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't, I don't get it. I, I could be either. I, <laughs> I, I think I'm inclined to think more that it's like karma or whatever force is better 
the outcome is better for you if it's not, you know, if they do have a choice around it. Um, but I don't know. Who knows? I, I would see. I would have thought that, like, uh, yeah. I mean, I, we don't know enough about how karma works, but like, from, from a, if we're doing like our, you know, the spirits of the audience thing, for me, Lucy setting up this deal where it's like so stacked in Melissa's favor, like to me, that would seem to imply that like Lucy should get extra bonus points when she turns it around and still manages to win. Mm. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know. Mm. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um. Anywho, uh, whatever the reason. Uh, Melissa gives in, and uh, <laughs> yeah. the the situation is is resolved. Um, Avery recommends that they take her back to Nicolette because uh, they feel like Nicolette <laughs> hasn't held up her end of the bargain. Uh, but when they get there, it's clear that Nicolette has, and Melissa is just being <laughs> a piece of shit. Uh, my favorite my favorite thing about this segue is Melissa. When Melissa gives in, she's like, "I guess I lose. I always lose." And then the very next thought is, hmm, better take her to Nicolette. And it's like, speaking of people who always seem to lose. <laughs> yeah, speaking of fucking losers. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take her to the queen of, like, getting the raw deal. Uh, Nicolette, because <laughs> we've decided this is her problem. Um, and yeah, like, Nicolette is basically like, I mean, look, I've done this. I've done this. I'm going to try and do more. But, like, honestly, she's not trying. And I need her to move a fucking inch yeah, before I can help her. you got to meet halfway at least. Yeah. Which is, like, just such a... I mean, again, like, the blurring the lines between sort of human psychology and behavior and, and magic. Like, this idea that you can't help someone who doesn't want to help themselves. Like, mm. it's it's still true for magic. Nicolette's like, look, I'm, I'm, I'm doing it. But, like, at a certain point, like, I can't... Oh, like, yeah. I can't help someone who doesn't want to be helped. Which, uh, yeah, fair enough, Nicolette. Another, it's nice to have, um, basically, uh, magic is confirming for us the universal truth that Melissa is just being a bit much. <laughs> Melissa's being a bit extra and needs to chillax a bit. Ah, oh, yeah, but I get, I get why she's in such a funk. Yeah, but literally, well, yeah, I don't I, let's not be too mean to to uh, to Melissa. You're right. Um, it's nice. Nicolette is kind of clearly on their side here. We left things a bit ambiguously in our last interaction with Nicolette and the trio. We saw that this was probably the way things were going based on Zed's interlude, but uh, it is nice to be for Nicolette to basically be their friend here, pretty unambiguously, right? Yeah, I mean, I think we've been saying since 2.Z that we hope that these four can, can find a way to reconcile because we think they'll be good friends. So. I'm I'm very glad that it seems to be heading in that direction because I think they should all be friends. Let's get all these kids together and have them just fuck over Alexander. He's the baddie. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I agree. Um, I remain cautiously optimistic that these three are going to make a bunch of friends at their new school. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Um, so, yeah, Matthew turns up, gives them a lift back to town, and as they're going, they're kind of chatting about the dynamic between the Kenneteers and the Kennet others. And it's interesting. This this whole experience has reassured the Kennet others that the Kenneteers still need them, which is I nice. love that. <laughs> it, yeah, but it's also it feels a little bit creepy. Like, oh, then they're still children. They still need us. They're still kind of vulnerable to our machinations. You know, I I mean I, that's certainly not an invalid read. Um, I I more took it as like. The Kennet others have been so paranoid about having practitioners because, you know, in general, practitioners are, are so mean to others. Um, and, and so they were so worried about what these three were turning into. So to sort of get a reminder that they're not these all-powerful 
beings, but they're actually sometimes just idiots who need the help of them. Like it, it sort of it balances out the power dynamic. Like you know when you mm. have the the Kenneteers helping the Kennet others with things like when Zed and Bree showed up. I think it's nice for them to be able to return the favor and sort of equalize the relationship a bit. Like I, I took a fairly positive read of like, oh, it's 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 good for us to be reminded that you're not these all powerful beings, but you're also just kind of like us. You make dumb yeah. mistakes and need help. Yeah, true. You know, they ha- they do have emotions. They are you know <laughs> vulnerable to to weird trains of thought and stuff like that. I guess for for want of a better term, they're only human. Mm. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah. Great. Uh. So yeah, Verona and Lucy have a finally have a moment to hash out how they're feeling, and Verona does some good work to to make this up to Lucy while also kind of demonstrating no, she wasn't just being a piece of shit. Yeah. I mean this this whole conversation is so like like after all the tenseness of this chapter, like this has just been such a ride, and then to sort of close it out with this like really beautiful heartfelt conversation is just so rewarding. Mm. Um, and like I love early on there's all this stuff to sort of set it up as a really human moment like there's this bit where when Lucy sort of first accuses Verona of maybe subconsciously wanting this to happen um, Mm. she sort of looks over and says Verona's expression was blank her eyes lacked the purple that had dominated them most of the night Mm. and sort of you know like setting up that she doesn't have her sight on and she's here in this moment like it just really humanizes Verona and sort of you know humanizes this moment like it it, 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 it's like lines like this that are setting you up for a very human personal sort of moment between these two and and that's exactly what we get and it's it's just really beautiful yeah it's it's a nice way of showing hey like yeah she's she's no no shenanigans you know she's on the level yeah this is Um, lucy and verona this isn't magic or any of this shit this is just these two in this moment yeah, this is the humans at the and the human emotion at the heart of this story, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, the 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 crux of it is Lucy says to Verona that it was about your items, your items, and getting everything okay, and it was about. And then Verona interrupts and says it wasn't. Um, and you know she can't lie, and that's that's it, right? That cuts through what Lucy has think, been thinking, and and really makes her realize, oh no, my friend was genuinely <laughs> trying to look out for me and trying to do nice things for me, and and. It's just so nice. I love it. It's yeah. so nice. It's such a beautiful moment. And like, there's all these bits after it where it's like, we, yeah, Verona basically starts crying and he's like, I was doing this because, or I, I fought so hard for this because I wanted you to be able to get back to your nice night because you seem to be doing so well. And then Lucy looks down and notices like how bloodied Verona's legs are because she was running around in her sandals this whole time. And it's like, yeah that's something that's totally recontextualized for her working for herself to like, she did this for Lucy. Um, yeah. Mm. It's, it's so nice. Like, cause Verona struggles so much to open up like this. Cause like, there's so many moments where she's like, I hate being a burden. I don't like, you know, crying like this makes me feel like my dad. Um, and mm. we sort of talked about, about like how she has this sort of weird toxic, uh, you know, I've forgotten the word for like, just, but you know, she doesn't want to show emotions because she attributes that to being like her dad. So she sort of is constantly bottling yeah. everything up. Um, and it takes a lot for I, her I to come out of her shell like masculinity, this. but yeah, 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 it's yeah, it, I mean, it, it's very similar for sure. Um, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, well, um, you know, she she it takes so much for her to open up out of her shell like this, even to someone like Lucy, and 
it's just so nice that she does and Lucy is so supportive of her and it's this really good moment. Yeah, and so lovely about it. But make them stronger going forward, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then we have this moment uh, where Verona kind of breaks down about her relationship with her mother, uh, with the, the key line being, my mum doesn't want me, Verona said, her voice small. And man, you just <sighs> really feel the emotion of this moment, right? Like, fuck. Yeah. Um, to look on the bright side, this is Verona finally kind of breaking down the walls and accepting that she's not really doing mentally okay. And this is hopefully the first step in, like, you know, l- normalizing Lucy, normalizing, like, her confessing her feelings to Lucy and having Lucy and Avery and anyone else, said Nicolette, whoever, like, helping her he- deal and heal, right? Um, yeah. I yeah. Mean, she, just, yeah. She's basically getting Lucy to parent her. Uh, it, it sounds less charitable than it is, but it's like, you know, she's finally found someone who she can actually fucking communicate with and who will listen and understand um, because mm. neither of her parents are fucking doing it. Um, I, mm. Yeah, I, you're right. I choose to read this as a very positive thing that will strengthen them and hopefully help Verona get to a better place. Um, it's, it's a good moment. Like, I assume that we're about to start heading towards the school and it's good to see the three of them really, really connecting before they go there. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, connecting, resetting emotionally, being close friends, and then they're going to be off to horrifying Hogwarts. Um, yeah, and that's the yeah, end of. I mean, uh, that's speaking the end of, of chapter. Yeah. Oh yeah. Speaking of heading off to horrifying Hogwarts, we now get into the bonus material, uh, which is packing up. Uh, it's back to school time, so everyone get ready, pack your supplies, and let's head to school. I mean, this did give me flashbacks for like preparing for school trips as a kid. And they like the school would always give you a checklist of all the shit you had to bring. Um, Mm. And this was like very similar to those. Um, And also this pretty much confirms to me that we will be going to see some of the the Blue Heron Institute stuff soon. So I can't wait. Mm. Yeah. Um, Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, it's like, this is saying, yes, we're definitely getting there. Get ready. Here's all you need to know. Um, fairly straightforward <laughs> bonus bit. Nothing too new in here. This It's a good refresher on what tricks they have up their sleeve. Um, yeah. Oh, it's a bit, yeah, it's a bit of a summary of what they are bringing with them. Um, I, it actually opens with, like, the clothes they're all bringing, um, which is fun because, like, Avery and Lucy both have colors to their wardrobe. Like, Avery has all this green and orange. Lucy has all this sort of red and pink and purple. And then... <laughs> You get to Verona's as the third one, and it's just like it's almost all black. There's like a few little mm. shreds of color, but I was just like, oh yep, yep, this is definitely Verona's as I was skimming through it because uh, you get to just a pile of black clothes. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, and there's this other bit where, I mean, uh, my read on it is Snowdrop is also participating in checking yeah. the supplies, right? <laughs> um, yeah, because we get little extra bits which are differentiated from Lucy Avery and Verena's stuff, um, which is fun. Yeah, like, I think it's just, like, a nice little bit of comedy that gets woven into the packing list. Like, you know, it's, like, how much money they're all bringing, and then there's the extra little grey 68 cents that snow drops. Um, (laughs) My favourite favorite is the dog tags, where they each have their dog tags from John, and then Snowdrop has just a regular dog tag. And I didn't... I, I just kind of glossed over it until I read because obviously Wildbird yeah. does the like descriptions for for so you can catch everything, um, and uh, th- it's just three dog tags and then the description of looks like just a mundane dog tag. <laughs> and that's when I was like, oh my god, this is the best. 
Uh, yeah. Yeah, like there's a lot of like it kind of feels like they're just indulging uh Snowdrop. Like what's hilarious is there's like a rusty fork that's listed like four times. Um mm. like it's like, oh, it's down under like toothbrush and hair sort of stuff. Then it reappears under weapons and then it reappears under lockpicks. And at first I was like, Ooh, is this some thing she got off the goblins that has goblin y powers? But I'm actually just convinced now, like I'm thinking about it, it's just a fork and they're just indulging Snowdrop. They're like, Oh yeah, yeah, well, we'll count your fork. Snowdrop uses it as like yeah, hair care, as people. a weapon, as a lockpick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like it's a multi-tool, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like that. So yeah. I I just it's just like it's a bit of fun injected into the packing work. Uh it's it's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Um yeah, I, I guess that's it. I mean, that's that's all the stuff in the in the in the chapters this week. I guess before we finish up, we should pull out some predictions from Pale Predictor, where people can uh, can can leave their predictions on what's going to happen in the story. You can find the link to do that yourself, by the way, in the show notes down below. Um, but we will pull out predictions that we really like and discuss them. Yeah. Uh, do you want to pull out uh, a prediction yourself? <laughs> um, yeah. I so I, I just sort of highlighted one from Idilo. Who mm-hmm. just sort of pointed out? So obviously we've we've had mentions that Bree will presumably be at school with them, um, and Adilo points out if Bree can theoretically like eat anything, and as long as the hungry choir is powering her, not really have consequences. Um, mm. Could the Blue Heron Institute just use her as like a storage a or disposal, disposal. device? <laughs> 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 Nothing can stop her eating it. She can eat anything. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, it's it's a fun idea, especially because if she's looking for ways to keep powering the Hungry Choir, like, maybe can can her digesting something, like, can she absorb its power, you know? Like, if you feed her cursed objects, it, it feeds her being able to keep eating cursed objects. Like, that could be her Interesting. niche. Yeah, I like that. Her power is consumption. Ah, <laughs> uh, good times. Um, yeah, maybe. Uh, I, I put out a prediction from Lapsed Classicist, uh, who pulls out that the name of this chapter uh, arc is leaving a mark and lapsed classes thinks that the titular mark that is going to be left is the trio leaving this arc accidentally making Melissa aware of magic, which I could see. I, I possibly think maybe Jeremy or maybe it's they're leaving a mark on somebody. Some Someone's going to be awoken, but I, I think that's where we're headed. I, I like this prediction. I'm, I'm standing behind it. I think someone's going to become aware throughout this arc and that's the mark. And maybe it'll be um, someone called yeah, Mark be. to to be one of those classic Wabo double meanings. It'll be someone called Mark <laughs> that they leave a mark on as well. Yeah, I mean, definitely the the Kennedys got pretty beat up this time and had actual like marks left on them. Um, and I mm-hmm. wonder if maybe this is our prelude. If if like this arc moves to the Blue Heron Institute soon, and and like half of it or more like takes place in the Blue Heron Institute, like it might be more focused there, like leaving their mark on the school in some way. Mm, I guess we'll see. Like graffiti. Or, you know, yeah. not, not, uh, uh, fuck, what's the word? Not literally. It could be a figurative mark as well, I'm sure. I mean, Snowdrop left her mark there when she burnt the fucking library down last time she was there. That's true. So, fun, uh, fun return to the, the school for her. <laughs> Snowdrop's <laughs> walks in the door like, I'm back. What up? <laughs> Did you miss me? Um, Lock your yeah, doors. Anyway. Lock your doors, lock up your libraries, because Snowdrop's in town. Okay, I guess that's the end of our show then. Um, thanks for joining us, everybody. 
Uh, if you want to uh, discuss this episode or the chapters that we discussed, you can find a link to the discussion thread down in the show notes below. Uh, yes, you can also find us on Twitter. Uh, it's still at MediaMD Podcast, but we changed all the rest of it to be like the name is Power Reflections and all that, but it's still the same at thing. Um, mm-hmm. That's that's where I do my live reads. Um, there's there's a new schedule for those to account for the fact this episode's late. So a couple of hours after this comes out, I'll be doing my next live read. Um, Doofmedia.com forward slash calendar is the place to find out when those are happening. Yeah. Actually, speaking of doofmedia.com, that's the website you can go to to find all of the great shows on the Doof Media Network. Uh, you can also uh, support the network by going to Patreon. Um, but uh, on doofmedia.com, you can find episodes like uh, our recent episode of the Doofcast that we were on, where we talked about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it's funny. It was um, we, we talked about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and then there was meant to be a little outro by Matt and Scott on um, mm-hmm. the DC Universe stuff, but um, because of the way the four of us work, it ends up being about half-half, because they can talk for <laughs> uh, just as long on three trailers as we can on a seven-season show. Um, so, yeah. you know, it's a good, good, well-rounded episode because of that, so go check it out. Yeah. Um, and yeah, as I mentioned, you can support the Doof Media Network by going to patreon.com forward slash Doof Media. While you're on Patreon, if you have, you know, 68 cents that you've been carrying around and you're looking for a place to put it, uh, may I recommend going to patreon.com forward slash Wabo and giving him your 68 cents because, um, he makes all these great stories and he's a patron supported author. So why not support him as a patron? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and so with that, uh, we'll, that's we'll that. see you all in a couple of days. <laughs> Uh, See you in a few days. Yep. Bye. Bye.